to the Seven Figure Box show. This is Andrew Frezza, and uh, today's episode is going to be a really cool, unique conversation. I have Frankie Locasano on the show, and uh, Frankie is a coach out in Tennessee, right? Tennessee, I got that right? Correct, yeah, Chattanooga, yeah. Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Frankie and I actually know each other because he applied when we were hired recently over the last year and uh, made it pretty far in that hiring process. We didn't end up hiring him, but he's someone that I've uh, kept in touch with. He's kept in touch with me, asks questions throughout the last few months and um, really has a good path in this industry and someone that I think is going to have a big impact. And he recently emailed me and said, hey, I have an opportunity to potentially open up my own gym. You know, I have someone that wants to invest money and, uh, you know, what things should I be thinking about? Should I go this route or should I continue to be a coach? So I told him, let's just come on the show. Let's talk about it. And this could be something that everyone can learn from. And uh, we'll really dive into his unique situation. But I think it will be cool to be able to translate that to how that could impact other people as well. Um, so can you give us a little um, just kind of background on like where you're at in your coaching career, Frankie, how much experience you have, what your current role looks like. And, and uh, yeah, just give us an idea of where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I got into CrossFit about five years ago. I've been coaching full-time. I kind of decided that this is what I wanted to do um, about a year and a half ago. Um, since then, I've been on the floor um, a little over full-time. I currently am coaching 30 floor hours a week. Um, this is basically, this is what I want to do. This is what I love to do. Um, so I figured if I, if I want to make a, make my life out of it, I need to, I need to start thinking, uh, for the future and see what I need to do to make that happen. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So you've been coaching, you're coaching 30 actual classes a week, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. What, what other roles do you have outside of that currently? Uh, currently that is literally all I do. I take out the trash and all that good stuff. Uh, whenever my shift is done, but for the most part, I'm literally, I show up for my classes and that is what I do. Okay. And are you, how many classes are there total at the gym you're at? Are you taking hundred percent so of them? Currently we do, uh, I do four CrossFit classes per day. Is that right? Three CrossFit classes per day, three, uh, conditioning style classes per day. So it's six classes a day, five days a week, which, is, which makes 30 hours. So I take, uh, I take 18 out of the probably 20, 26, 27, 28 uh, classes that the gym offers, um, CrossFit classes that my, my gym offers per week. So I coach, uh, I would say almost half of them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, what other roles have you had in your career? Have you ever had a big book of personal training? Have you ever done anything outside of just coaching or have you really only been exposed to like coaching classes? Yeah. So, uh, in the past I've done, I do PT, uh, and I still do PT on top of my 30 classes a week, but, uh, at my previous gym, I had a little bit more, uh, a bigger, uh, behind the scenes role where I would deal with, uh, with on ramps, um, with new clients. And then we, uh, during the pandemic, obviously we had uh, to go all virtual and all online. So I was doing a lot of online coaching with that. Um, but for the past couple months, my, my main thing has been coaching, uh, floor hours. Um, so I'm familiar with, with some of the behind the scenes stuff, but there's still a lot of, a lot of gray area for me, which is when I reach out to you generally. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And what kind of things do you have experience wise, education wise, um, have you done outside of just like the typical level one? Yeah. So outside of that, outside of the typical level one, I have, uh, virtually every 
uh, online course at CrossFit has to offer. So if you go to the OC website, OCCrossFit.com or whatever it is, I have a lot of those. Um, I've started a college degree, have not finished it yet. Um, but that's about it, man. I, uh, I, yeah, I got, got my level one and kind of just jumped straight into it and started getting online certifications because those are the cheaper ones. So the ones that I could, uh, that I could afford. Uh, so I really don't have too much of a formal education to be totally honest. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just want to get a, get an idea of the, the full picture of, um, kind of like what you've been exposed to and where your current experience level is. Yeah, um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what this potential opportunity could be to open a gym. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I was approached by actually a family member, my grandmother to be exact. Um, she's, uh, she and her husband, they had, they're sitting on some money, um, cause they're, they're retired. Um, and they were just looking for something to invest in. They're not just looking to blow their money, but they believe in me. They believe in the product that I, that I put out, even though they've never really, uh, they've never been inside of a gym ever, but they, uh, they enjoy talking to me. So based on that, they think that I would be a good gym owner, apparently. Uh, so they said that they would potentially be willing to invest in me, uh, pending that I have a sound business plan and some other things. Um, but on top of that, I don't really know. Uh, I don't even know what I don't know. I don't know what goes on too much behind the scenes to where I could run a gym. Um, I'm pretty confident on the floor, but as far as uh, owning a gym goes, there's a very big difference between owning a gym and running a gym, as, as I'm sure you know. Um, so... I basically have a lot of questions in regard to that. I'm not saying that I'm going to open a gym one day. I mean, I would, I would like to, but uh, at this point, it's just an idea that I'm just putting into the universe. So yeah, yeah. here I am. Cool. Um, and yeah, that's very common for family to be the investor. I'd say that's probably more the more common route. And then what I've heard too, a lot of times is like, sometimes people are coaching at a facility and, and members in that facility say, hey, I really think you should open up a facility uh, you know, I think you're, you know, you have what it takes to do it, be successful, and they want to invest in something. But um, family is a very common situation. Did your, did your grandma give you an inclination of how much she might be willing to invest? Or are you still not to that point yet? No, not to that point. She asked me how much it generally, uh, generally costs. And I put through some numbers out there. It, it uh, varies widely, as I'm sure you know. So it was kind of a, kind of a, a loaded question a little bit. Um, yeah. But we, did, we didn't talk too many numbers. No. Okay. Now, prior to her bringing this up, what was your thought process on potentially owning a gym? Was that something that you thought you wanted or is this really what sparked it? So I've got a couple of goals uh, in my, in my career. And the final goal is to uh, actually open my own facility and uh, run my own gym. So this is definitely, um, definitely uh, on the path that I'd like to do. If I went to that goal, that would be skipping several different steps that I was, that I was planning on taking to get to that goal. Um, there's a couple of things that I would like to do before that, but um, I, it's definitely been on my, on my radar for, uh, for the last couple of years. It's something that I think I would, I could do pretty well. And uh, it's something that I think I would enjoy doing. Um, so it's definitely been on my radar. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are those steps in your mind that you would have to so, do? Yeah, my, my steps that I've had, I've had a couple of goals. My first goal was to get hired at a CrossFit gym, which I did a year ago with, with uh, very little of an in. I kind of, uh, I got really lucky with, uh, with who I knew. Uh, I wasn't even a member of the gym and they just hired me blindly. I had never taken a class or anything like that. I got my level one the weekend before and I just got really lucky. Um, and it turns out I, I was relatively good at it. I enjoyed it. Um, people liked me. So from there, I decided that I wanted to be able to um, to be able to pay my bills coaching CrossFit. That was my next goal. So I, at my last place, I wasn't really uh, making enough to make ends meet, um, even though I was coaching a lot. 
So my next step was to make enough to make ends meet. So that's where I'm currently at. I'm now making enough to make ends meet to pay my rent. Um, the next, my next step uh, is to, I would like to be able to make enough money to uh, pay bills alone independently without uh, the help of my girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be the next step in my process. Um, that, that's original. That, that should be my next step uh, if things go yeah. according to plan. After that, I would like to uh, have my own facility. So I would say I'm two steps away from where I would like to be. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, now you're talking a lot about the coaching side. How do you imagine you're going to get kind of the more of the business skill set side? Where, where, where are you hoping to get that? And uh, you know, where do you see it being able to kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit before uh, mm-hmm. basically all that pressure is on you and you're having to learn on the fly? Yeah. Yeah. So what I would plan on doing is. Uh, asking for bigger roles in my current spot at my gym, um, hopefully taking on more behind the scenes so I can kind of learn the ins and outs of the business a little bit more because currently um, it, it's just, it's they're not even the same job uh, running a gym and coaching at a gym. It's two totally different things. Um, and I, I don't even know what I don't know behind the scenes. So I, I, I honestly, I can't really give you an answer on that. I just know I would need to, I need to learn the ins and outs from someone at my gym or at a gym um, things like that. So basically asking, uh, asking my bosses, what's going on, what's going on behind the scenes that, that you can teach me. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely what I would encourage you to do. Do it in a more low stakes environment where yeah. there's, there's, uh, a lot less to lose. You already have a built in culture and community. Um, you can kind of take on parts of roles rather than having to be in charge of an entire team, an entire facility, um, finances and all the, you know, payroll, all these different things. Um, do you have a, do you have an idea of what type of gym you want to open? Like, you know, one of the things I always think about just to give you a little perspective on this is like, I always think about like, what is, what is the unique value that you want to bring to the table? And the aspiration of owning a gym is great because the impact in theory could be larger than, than just being a coach. But like, do you have something that you feel is unique about your perspective or are you still developing that? Um, I would say I'm still developing it, but I, I think that, so I, I'm just dreaming at this point. I don't really, uh, it's a long way away. I would really like to help like with the development of coaches. I really, I'm really passionate about coaching people. Um, and I think that, I think coaching should be taken seriously. Um, I take my job probably more seriously than I should. I take it very seriously. Um, but I would love to just, uh, have it I'd, ha- I'd like to have a gym that coaches coaches um to to bettering themselves outside of the gym in the gym um so that way they can provide the best product for the for the clients as well um so while it is obviously all about the clients because the clients do do bring in the uh, bring in the money i would like to develop coaches so that way they can be the best that they can be and i feel like if you if you produce good coaches you're going to produce a good product so um i'm just guessing here because i've never done it but uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's what i think so yeah Why'd you get into coaching in the first place? What, what got you excited to want to be a coach? Um, so I was in school to be a teacher. Um, I've, always been, I've always been pretty good with people, um, and I've been good at uh, explaining things to people. Uh, and I, I freaking love working out. I love CrossFit. I don't know. Uh, so I, I needed a way to, to, to marry the two. My, my love of helping people, my love of working out, um, and CrossFit just happened to be that thing. I love the community aspect of it. Um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of how I got here. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, one thing that kind of stood out to me about what you said is like you you have a desire to coach coaches. Um, sounds like you have a desire to help kind of professionalize this industry. Um, and one thing I would one thing I would encourage you to question is, do I need X to accomplish this? You know, do I need a a, a brick and mortar facility to mm-hmm. accomplish this? And, you know, one way to look at that is like, look at other people that are doing what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. Active Life is a good example of, of someone that comes to mind. And they do kind of have a, a brick and mortar facility, but it's almost more like a lab for them where they bring people in for seminars, they shoot podcasts there, they do some one-on-one training, but it's not like your traditional gym setting. But a lot of, a lot of what they do, they're actually better able to do without a physical facility because Sean who runs active life used Mm -hmm. to be a former gym owner. And actually when he grew his business to where it is now, a lot of that happened without a facility. Um, And many times what, what people use as a, a path to get to their goal is actually off the path of what they really want to do. And a, there's a more direct route to that thing. Right. So potentially what you're saying too, I want to coach coaches, that could also look like I want to be on CrossFit seminar staff mm-hmm. and be a, a level one, level two trainer, not have the overhead, um, get paid to travel, get paid to meet people and set the standard in that way. Right. Yeah. So I'm just throwing yeah. out here some potential avenues. What are your, what are your thoughts when you hear, you know, that, do you feel like that's a distraction from your goal or do you feel like that could actually get you there potentially? No. So it's funny you say that. Uh, Seminar staff, well, so I'm a level one coach. I'm not very, uh, I don't hold very many certifications. Uh, obviously, the level one is not a certification at all, but it's a certificate. Uh, a goal of mine is to be on seminar staff one day. I think that'd be really cool to do. Um, I don't know how at odds that is with owning a facility, um, but I've, I've always thought that seminar staff was really cool. And I think it's a, an interesting uh, an interesting path to take in addition to having a gym. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I noticed that I always thought was interesting is, a lot of the people that I met at seminar staff were not current gym owners. A lot of them were former gym owners and a lot of them had gotten rid of their facilities to kind of narrow their focus. Um, It's always one of the things that that kind of frustrated me about the way the material in the level one and level two was presented. I didn't feel like, or I don't feel like since we still use it for our staff have used it recently. I don't feel like the, the, the information is always presented in a way that this is what it takes to run a successful facility. Like this is how to deliver information in a way to the everyday person. I think that um, they do a great job. I don't want to take anything away from it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like enough of it was being put in the context of this is how you need to do it in order to run a successful gym and business and be around for decades to come. Yeah. And I think that's partially why we're seeing so many CrossFit gyms come and go um, mm-hmm. is because of that. Yeah. Um, what do you see as sort of the advantages of being a gym owner? Why is that seem like a progression for you? Yeah. Over being so a I, coach? Think being, I think being a gym owner, uh, you know, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of stumped me a little bit. Let's see. I think the, uh, the benefits of being like a gym owner, I think it's really cool to, I, I don't know, I just, I, I want to have a say in how my gym is ran. I guess you could do that as a coach, but 
I, I think I have a lot of ideas that I could, that I could, I, I, not ideas necessarily, but I think I could run a good gym. I've seen, I've been in a lot of gyms and I've seen definitely some that are better than others. And I think I, I think I have some of the tools to make, uh, to run a better gym than some of the ones that I've seen. And I think that's something that, that, that interests me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. So to give you a little, uh, example in our staff, we have three people on our staff currently that are former gym owners mm-hmm. that now have no aspirations to open a gym. <laughs> yeah. um, and they're very, they're very happy to be at a place where they have, they have alignment with us as owners. We kind of see the business in a similar way. They yeah. still have a lot of input in their areas of expertise, but they also mm-hmm. don't have the same level of, of stress and, um, you know, uh, responsibility that comes with yeah, being for sure the gym owner yeah. having to worry about paying the bills having to manage the entire team in that mm-hmm. sense and uh, you know the sentiment that I that I heard from them is you know from going down that route of ownership I just really learned that I, I love coaching and I want to coach you know yeah, often that's a really interesting perspective for sure yeah so yeah. To, to bring it back to your micro level where you are today do you get to take mm-hmm. a lot of classes at your gym uh yeah, I would. I could take whatever classes I want, obviously, but uh, I coach a lot, so it, it. I try to catch up on my sleep when I can. Okay. So, so that's, yeah, yeah. My, the, my, basically, I, the amount that I work out is not as much as you would think a CrossFit coach works out. I'll say that. Exactly, and that's what I figured based <laughs> on how many hours you were working. Yeah. So, one you one of the reasons you said you loved you wanted to be a coach is because you love For working sure. out and being around a gym, right? <laughs> Now that you're yeah. a coach, you're actually getting less hours to work or Absolutely. work out yeah, and enjoy yeah. the gym, right? So that's For exactly sure. the same thing that happens as we scale up to a gym owner is yeah. like, I want to be a gym owner because I want to have, I want to be able to coach on a higher level and have more impact. Yeah. And then you realize like, wait, I was actually coaching Ooh, the way I wanted yeah, to coach yeah. and have that impact when I was on the ground floor. And now yeah, I have good. all these distractions that take up my time. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so just something to think about. Um, now, yeah, absolutely. that's where it comes down to how do we build a business? How do we build a team around us? So me as the owner can still do the things that I really want to do. But mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be very difficult for M- any gym owner to coach probably more than like 10 hours in a week, 10 class hours in a week, yeah. and be able to build a successful team and business around them. Um, you don't have to take yourself off the floor completely, but mm-hmm. somewhere between five to 10 hours is going to be that sweet spot. If you still want yeah. to be on the floor, but you need to run a successful business, you know, and you want to have life outside the gym, you want to eventually yeah. have a family and, and do all that. Yeah. That's, that's great, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. Um, what are some of the questions that you wanted to get answered yeah, here? So I got a couple questions for you. Um, I'll start with, with this one. Uh, if you were starting over, what would you do differently when starting your gym? Like if you were back at day one, what would you do differently? Um, man, <laughs> this is a whole, this is a whole, uh, conversation itself, but, um, I would say the biggest thing that has to happen is your pricing needs to be right, right from the beginning. Mm. And I think that's where too many people, mess up is they they play a game with their pricing that even if they win they actually end up losing meaning you get to the member goal that you wanted and then you realize that there's 
actually no money there to pay yourself mm -hmm. or pay a team. And then you have to scramble. And I think the biggest issue with the CrossFit market as a whole is we've set an unrealistic expectation in the consumer's mind of what this thing can cost. Um, yeah. What I would encourage, I don't, have you looked at Stu Brower's stuff as it relates to like operational capacity in a facility? No. WTF uh -huh. Gym Talk. I would highly encourage you to check his stuff out. Um, but basically the, the basic premise is if you look at like a yoga studio or a spin studio, they only need a thousand square feet to put 30 mm -hmm. people in a class pre-COVID. Like yeah, where you right, could put right. people next to each other. You only need a yoga mat's worth of space and you mm -hmm. could do everything you want in a yoga class and you could have 30 people in a thousand square feet. Same thing with a spin studio. You're not, you just have your bike and you don't need to go anywhere. So they can, their operational capacity, their people yeah. per square foot is amazing. Once yeah. we add the barbell in there and we start to add the rig and, and rowers and all these different things, we need a lot more square footage per person. And he's doing things at his facility even pre-COVID where he's got like a pick a spot model and everyone has their designated taped off spot and they have their equipment in that spot. And every day the, the, the room is staged based on that workout prior to everyone showing up so they can really maximize that operational capacity. And even those gyms that have it dialed in still have to charge closer to $200 a month to be able yeah. to run a successful business. Um, so when we're doing more of a CrossFit style gym, we have to think if we're gonna if we're gonna want to use a full size barbell, we're gonna want to do the gymnastic stuff. We have to start that pricing off the right foot, and um, yeah, that's something that I would have I would have done better. It's so hard to adjust it once you get in there, and people think, well, I'll just fill my gym and raise my prices as I go, and that you can do some element of that, like a founder's rate but it's got to be minimal. You're better off rewarding in other ways that are unrelated to an ongoing price structure, right? An upfront yeah. discount's fine, but you got to protect your recurring membership, which is where the margins got to be long-term. So I got a question for you with that then. Uh, would you recommend going too high or too low? If, you, if you're, if you obviously you want to be perfect with it. Is it better to guess too high or guess too low with your price range? I think it's better to guess too high, honestly. Okay, good. And um, the other thing is I would have less class times. I would really mm. put your schedule in a way where you can, you can be sort of the sole entrepreneur owner yeah. and running it. Um, it would help to have like one other person that's like a good head coach that can also run classes. But a lot of times that's more of a luxury for people. Um, so I would try to create a successful business where you can get to, um, the numbers could vary 50 to hundred members and, and be super profitable. And, you know, you mentioned being able to pay all your bills without needing help from your girlfriend. You want to be able to pay all your bills, not need help from your girlfriend and still be able to pay your bills in a way that you're mm -hmm. saving up for a house. And you're thinking about maybe having kids down the road. If these go, if these are goals in your future, right. this needs to be happening before a hundred members, it can't yeah. take you getting to, 200, 300, 400 members to yeah. get there because you're always going to be chasing that and, and you're likely never going to get there. Um, so being able to, uh, to have a higher value service right from the get-go mm -hmm. and then deliver on that. Um, and the thing is, when you have less people in classes, you can deliver on that. So those people are going to get 
a personal training yeah. type of value in a group class. And, um, and then that's just going to be the value that, that sticks in their mind. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool, man. Thanks. Good stuff. I got another question for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you were starting over, what would you do exactly the same that you did the first time around? <laughs> um, what did you nail the first time? Man, that's, that's actually a harder question. Um, so I think the size of our, our first facility was perfect. Um, okay. We had about 4,000 4, square feet, two bathrooms, little retail area. Um, and I think that was a great size. And that is, I think, a good, you know, you might have to start smaller than that depending on your investment. Yeah. But I think that that's something that um, the size of what you choose is really important. And uh, actually was just reading Chris Cooper's um, State of the Industry Guide. He was just on the show earlier this week. And uh, his data shows that 3,000 square feet is kind of the ideal facility size mm. for, for profitability. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in terms of our approach to... Um, wanting to care for people, wanting to build that family feel like there's nothing I would really change in that regard. And, you know, we really cared a lot about every single person that came into our facility. Um, mm. we, we made everyone feel very welcome. And um, that, that really created some strong bonds that a lot of those people are still around um, to this day. So yeah. uh, just, just investing investing as in each person, the people that are there in front of mm -hmm. you versus trying to worry about the next person that might come in is, is mm -hmm. key because the next person's likely going to come from the person that's in front of you anyways. And mm -hmm. if you can just over deliver on that. And then again, that's, that comes back to the pricing because the pricing gives you a certain level of comfort to know you can invest in that person because yeah. you know that you don't need 500 of those people to be successful. You only need 30 to 40 of those people to be successful. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we invested in those people as if they were paying us hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month when they were only paying us, you know, 120 to 130 a month at the time. Um, so, you know, just, uh, over, over delivering on that experience every single day is, is something that I, I would not do any differently. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. You touched on something in there that, uh, that was actually one of my next questions. So I'll go ahead and jump to it. Um, is it better to have too much space and not fill it or to be slightly short on space? Definitely be a little short on space. It's going to force okay. you to be, be creative. Um, yeah. it's going to force you to start to think about operational capacity, you know, biggest, biggest, some of the other big mistakes that people make, is they buy they buy the wrong equipment. They don't have a real plan. Mm, um, yeah. So what I, what I would encourage you to do, Frankie, over the next whatever time frame, let's call it year, yeah. get go to as many gyms as you can, and mm -hmm. not CrossFit gyms, but go to an Orange Theory, go to some of these new models like Metabolic, um, Ur Urban Movement, Stu's Gym, um, Alchemy is another one. Mm -hmm. yoga studios, spin studios, go to all these different experiences and don't go in there judging, judging it on the merits of its fitness programming, mm -hmm. 
go in there judging it on the merits of its experience, how they make you feel, how the facility is presented. Mm. Did you know what you needed to do next as a consumer? Or did you feel like I'm confused? I don't know why I'm here when I should have been there, whatever it is. Like, where is there clarity in the experience? And where is there confusion in the experience? And then like a metabolic's really cool. I love metabolic as a way of rethinking the equipment thing because they basically have every day is like a fight gone bad style workout. It's not that exact format, but they build their gyms to where every day has at least five stations. And depending on whether they cap their class at 20 or 25, they only have four or five of everything. So Mm. they would have exactly five rowers to run a class of 25. And they never need more than five rowers. So they either are using zero of the rowers and they're all rowers are up against the wall or they're using Mm -hmm. all five and it's one of their five stations. Whereas, you know, with, with a CrossFit style gym, usually we're like, oh shoot, I need like 12 rowers or I need this. And there's simplicity in, in that structure. And then, and actually you can be where there's restrictions, you can be more creative from a programming standpoint. A lot lot of times programmers feel, oh, I'm limited, but actually limitations force you to become more creative. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So don't buy, don't buy jerk blocks. Don't buy GHDs. (laughs) uh, Potentially don't even buy ropes for rope climbs because it might not work, even though I love rope climbs. Um, Don't ignore the one-off stuff. Go for the the basics. um, And uh, yeah, think about that operational capacity right from the get-go because it's going to, it's going to basically dramatically impact the numbers yeah uh, on the back end okay so you touched on different equipment and that kind of goes into one of my next questions actually um do you see the merit in starting with a conditioning class or a weightlifting class in addition to a crossfit style class or should you focus on one class for the foreseeable future i think one class is typically the way to go um Mm -hmm. unless you have a two-room setup okay you have the ability to do a two-room setup because i think what happens is that you tend to it can be really hard to figure out what type of group you're going to get at what class times right so you might you're like oh okay i think i want to do a 5 a.m more conditioning style class because it's early in the morning and and Mm -hmm. uh you know people don't really want to roll out of bed and lift weights yet at our facility some of our most hardcore type of more competitive athletes that want to do the higher skill stuff, heavier weight stuff, they are mostly five and six AM people. So it's, yeah. it's hard to know that. And then you have like, well, maybe the mom class wants to be more of the conditioning class. And then you, it turns out that you actually have a good niche for more of your, your CrossFit style stuff. So my, my advice is don't brand your gym as CrossFit, brand it as mm. whatever brand you want to be. If you really want to be an affiliate, great but don't make that part of your brand make that a class that you offer maybe it is the main class that you offer um but i would even kind of steer away from using it anywhere in your branding or class labeling um and you can just be more of an affiliate on the back end Um, the thing that not being a crossfit affiliate forces you to do is it forces you to think about the fitness and results the impact you want to create from Mm -hmm. more of a ground zero level, like a first principles type of setting. And sometimes when we latch on to the CrossFit methodology or someone else's methodology, 
we don't always think about things from a very clear perspective that's unique to us. We kind of say like, well, this is how it should be in this way. Like, like I'm trying to think of what, like an example of that would be like, like, why, why do you, do you encourage your athletes to stand up at the top of a box jump? Uh, I do. Yes. Before they come down. Yes. Why do you do that? Uh, because the four range of motion is to open up your hips at the top. Okay. As opposed to, as opposed to, yeah. Right. So like, I don't have a good answer for that, but I think there's, there's, um, there's things like that in the gym that Mm -hmm. we want to be able to dissect and say, like, does that really make sense in the lieu of Mm -hmm. this person's goals and what we're trying to do here? Right. Yeah, Yeah. You know, and sometimes like another example would be like full range of motion, right? Like a wall ball. What is full range of motion? Hips below parallel, hips below the knee would be full range of motion. And I agree that if someone has the capacity to do full range of motion, that we should be encouraging them to do that. But Mm -hmm. most people, uh, not most people, there's a handful of people that are probably not equipped to go full range of motion yet on that wall ball. And are are we holding them to that standard because that's more of a competition standard? Or are we holding them to that standard because we want them to have the capacity to do full range of motion out of all of their joints? And then maybe we're rather than like doing it via wall ball, we're doing it via a bear hug mm-hmm. squat with the med ball. And it just, there's these little, there's so many like little minor decisions that you would flip yeah. one way or the other based on building your gym for more first principles from the ground up versus latching on to someone else's methodology. Interesting. So you, you answered one of my later questions, which was, I, so I guess you don't see that it's necessary to affiliate when starting out. No, I think, I think unless anything major changes, I see it as more of a handicap moving forward than a benefit moving forward. Even if, even if you choose to, uh, let's say the trainers you hire, the main certification they you still want them to do yeah, is a level one or a level two. Mm-hmm. I think you can still subscribe to the training methodology as one portion of their continuing education or certifications yeah. without needing to be an affiliate. Okay. And I think the market would rather, the market is more responsive to a new brand than they are the CrossFit brand where they're going to have mm. preconceived notions we, we spent That's a lot good. of time battling that. And one of the things that was so refreshing about our beach fit program was that we started to get so many people that either didn't know what CrossFit was or mm-hmm. actually were intentionally trying to not be in a CrossFit. Yeah. And it's, it could be very refreshing to work with that type of client and yeah. not have sort of the drama that comes with sometimes these people that identify as CrossFitters. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's, I'm throwing myself in that camp too. No, I, okay, I right, have, right, right. Yeah. you know, so I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on this subset because there's a portion of that subset that I really like, but there are all, there are also some things in that where we can get away from our, our bigger why and our bigger purpose, because we're so wrapped up in this identity of, of CrossFit and what we see on TV and the CrossFit games or what mm-hmm. we see other people do on Instagram um, or what our previous gym, what their approach to programming and what CrossFit should look like, or what mm-hmm. this CrossFit coach said, like, 
it's, it's just funny to me how so much gets misconstrued about CrossFit. Um, and you start to see so many different ideas of what it is. Um, but people tend to really hold on to those. And when you get a fresh start and it's your brand, you, you get a better chance to make it your own and, and mm-hmm. shape, shape people better in that way. That's a really good perspective. I didn't think, uh, think about how the name could, uh, could turn people away rather than attract them. That, that's really interesting to me, actually. Um, so I got another question then. Uh, what surprised you about owning a gym? I, I stole this from, from a Ben Bergeron podcast a couple weeks back, but what surprised you about owning a gym? Something, something that you didn't expect or think about when planning out your gym? I would say that the, the biggest thing that surprised me is how much I would have to grow as a manager and a leader to mm. be able to have a successful gym. Um, also, how much of sort of an emotional toll it can take on you. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the uh, sort of the downfalls of when you do invest in each person and you care about each person is it can be feel very personal when anybody leaves and it can be very tough to continue to stay open and give your full effort to the next client when you're like, shit, I just gave my full effort to this person and now they're Mm -hmm. gone, you know? And, and that's also one of the tough things about having a 500 member gym like us is because we still try to have that really good one-on-one relationship, but it's just not possible at the level that you would want to, you would want to do it right um yeah yeah you know it's just it's just a matter of of time and scale so um yeah it's just uh that part can be really tough and you really you know you you have to grow as a person um you know one one thing that i've heard is like a lot of business is really just a vehicle for personal development and your your business will grow in relation to what you're able to do and grow as a person and handle as a person um, and it's, it's really challenged me in the area of, of sort of leadership management, uh, working with others, um, and handling just that inner emotional component of how, how do you manage, um, the day-to-day stresses and, mm. you know, good people leaving your facility, even though you are doing a good job. Yeah, that's good. So well, your answer sparked another question for me. Um, you said it, it kind of forces you to grow a little bit as a person. Do you find that running a gym does that or was it an external source? Like, like, a, like reading, like was it books that helped you do that? Or was it just owning a gym and running a gym that, that forced your hand to do this to, to help you grow as a leader? I've always been into personal development. Um, yeah. Actually, okay. I remember when I was young, my, uh, my dad was always into it too. Um, it's probably the best thing that he passed along to us was, yeah. was a love of, of learning and growth. And he used to listen to Tony Robbins tapes in the car. So I remember, <laughs> I can remember some of Tony Robbins is a great storyteller. So I remember vividly some of those stories, even when I was maybe 10, 11 years old. So when I, w- when I faced issues growing up, I was quick to go to that um, because yeah. of what the example that my dad had set, but you know, certainly the gym has forced that even further. And I I find that I'm someone that really has to sort of protect my own energy, my own mental state. And one of the best ways to do that is via podcasts and books and, and continuing to feed my mind with good ideas and good uh, principles um, to kind of keep me grounded. So 
Um, I noticed that if I do get off track from time to time, it's, it's usually um, because I've gotten away from that. And, mm -hmm. and I would encourage people to just be more proactive with that of, because those, you never know when those things are going to come back to you. Those things that you might, right. you might read a book about, you know, you might read a book about essentialism or emotional IQ. And certainly people read books just to check the box. Um, mm -hmm. And I've done that at times, but I always try to read a book and come away with something. Now I try mm -hmm. to like revisit notes and stuff like that, but even that I'm not perfect. But then there's time, there's times where I'm like, did I really get value out of that? And then it, it, it almost always seems to come back in the future to, to help us out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's so much good information in podcasts right now mm. that if you, if you open a gym and you haven't listened to like 80% of my stuff, 80% of Chris Cooper's stuff, 80% mm -hmm. of Stu Brower's stuff, 80% of Ben Bergeron's, Jason Kalipa's, like there's so mm -hmm. much perspective there of the different yeah. approaches that you can really, it, it's different when you haven't lived it and done it yourself, yeah. but it's, it's 10 times better. You're going to be 10 steps ahead of the person that hasn't listened to any of those things. And mm -hmm. if you can't get through those, like if you're not excited to do that, don't bother opening a gym because okay. you're going to, you know, if that's not a, if that's not something that really excites you to do, I mean, it's, it's like when we're hiring, yeah. it's, uh, we, you know, they don't have to listen to all of those podcasts necessarily, but we, we ask our coaches, you know, what mm. kind of things they're doing to learn and grow. And if they're not excited to do it, if it feels like work to do that stuff, we know they're just mm. not going to have the longevity in this yeah. thing because you're going to hit, you're going to hit tough times and you have to have something that's going to be able to carry you through that. Yeah, absolutely. Good answer. Good answer. So my next question, then you slightly touched on it a little bit, but uh, what is a mistake that you see gym owners do too frequently? I would say the most frequent one is trying to do too many things themselves mm. and not, not delegating to others and trusting others. I think yeah. uh, there's a lot of gym owners that are afraid to let smaller bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And then at the expense of that, there's no long-term growth and then they get stuck. Um, okay. And, and that could be like a good example for that is like programming. They get really, they'll never give up their programming. They'll never outsource that. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, it's a huge time suck. And then it doesn't allow for the development of their other coaches that could be using that as a tool to, to develop yeah. themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, cleaning the gym is a big one, like probably another thing that I would consider and this let's, let's, let's touch on this. Cause I think this is important when you get whatever money you get from this investor, your, your family member, or maybe you, have multi, you end up with multiple investors at some point you want to like, most people think of that investment is what I need to open my gym. So I get a hundred thousand dollars, let's call it okay, I need to have, I need, need to spend uh, $20,000 on equipment. I need to spend a certain amount on software. I need to certain, spend a certain amount on facility. I need to spend a certain amount on hiring. And then they usually leave themselves with like either zero money or like five mm -hmm. to 10,000. Whereas yeah. like whatever you get, you need to leave yourself with six months of runway where if you didn't mm -hmm. make a dollar, you could yeah. do that. Okay. And 
that runway, what I would encourage you to do is to include in there delegating some of those more uh, minor tasks like cleaning, yeah. right? Not to the point that you would never do it yourself, but like cleaning can become a huge time suck for, yeah. for a gym owner that you can't then spend building your gym. Um, yeah. Another big one would be like the administrative side of things like entering memberships in there, making sure people are getting charged, maybe making sure memberships are active. Those little things like that could be another huge time suck for you. So having maybe like a cleaning person and more of a pay, uh, not payroll person, but more of a administrative front desk type of person could be two of the real key roles that I would want to include in yeah. that initial like uh, planning. And then with you being someone who likes to coach, you could actually delegate the coaching last. So most most gym owners try to delegate the coaching first because that's the yeah. thing that's toughest. But what I would say is just limit your class schedule so you can handle most or all of the coaching depending on what yeah. your team looks like. And then those other little tasks that are more repetitive, you can give up to someone else. And then you then focus on some of the sales and marketing and that stuff as well, where you can also add a lot of value because it's your brand. Yeah. So you touched on something that is related to another question you talked about having a front desk person and this that loosely ties into to this um what comes first taking care of your i say coaches but employees uh taking care of them or gym profits like I, i'm i don't know what comes first paying paying your people or or profits like what what comes first yeah i would i would encourage you to try to get to a model where you're getting profits before your team is too bloated. Um, okay. So anything beyond maybe one coach, one uh, admin type person, and maybe that's the same, maybe this is all the same person potentially. Yeah. And one cleaning type of person and that could just be a cleaning company that helps you. Mm. Um, a bulldog is a, I believe a great investment that will quickly pay yeah. for itself if you have if you have a big enough facility, if you have a thousand square feet, bulldog might be that not be that helpful. If you have anything that's three thousand above, it's worth it because you're gonna you're gonna pay that in cleaning mm -hmm. expenses pretty quickly anyways. Yeah. Um, but beyond that basic team, you need to follow a profit first type of model. Where mm -hmm. are you familiar with profit first at all? No. No. Okay. So basically, profit first is a a sort of theory on accounting where most people will pay themselves whatever's left at the end of the month. Okay. And then profit yeah. first, you pay yourself first. And then the other thing, there's things, there's a lot of things that are gray area, like equipment is a big one. Like a lot of people mm -hmm. will buy a new bike or they buy something and they don't really need it. And then at the end yeah. of the month, there's no money left for them. So okay. you're gonna pay yourself first a certain amount mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the month, if there's things left for uh, mm -hmm. events or something else, yeah. like, you know, yeah. equipment or upgrades that you want to make, then you can make those upgrades, but only if you paid yourself first. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is you want to map out your pricing in a way where when you get to a certain level of members, let's call it 50 members, mm -hmm. where what does my rent look like? What do my utilities look like? What does my staff costs look like? What are my marketing expenses going to look like? Yeah. Um, get all that mapped out. What would I be able to pay myself? 
if I charged X? What would I be able to pay myself if I charged this instead? And you can put that on a little spreadsheet for yourself mm -hmm. and see what's at, left at the end of the month. And you should be able to get to a point where you're paying yourself pretty well without yeah. needing, with, you know, with a nice low membership base of, of 50 to 100 clients. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Cool. Cool. All right. My next question. Uh, this is a tough question, I think, but what is something that a gym can do to separate themselves from their competition? This is tough because this is kind of what everyone needs to do to, to be successful, yeah. I guess. But <laughs> yes, I'm asking for the secret here, I guess. Um, it really depends on what type of gym you want to run. Mm -hmm. um, the the thing that I think people in our space could do the most to separate themselves is to start day one with a very clean experience, similar mm -hmm. to like a franchise model, mm -hmm. but specific to your brand. Yeah. Um, what do you mean when you say clean? Clean meaning there's clear, uh, there's a clear brand. There's clear values around that mm -hmm. brand. There's clear colors and branding everything mm -hmm. lines up and matches up yeah. um and then your coaches and you are just like an extension and a magnifier of that versus mm -hmm. what what happens at a lot of gyms a lot of crossfit gyms especially is you know the place is a dump the equipment is pretty bare bones and then mm -hmm. everything comes down to the you know essentially programming coaching, programming, and, and community. I'm putting that in air quotes because yeah, right. yeah. You know, what some people call community is really like uh, a very laid back, I'll call it like lazy clubhouse type of feel. And then what yeah, some people right. call community is like really getting to know someone, lots of touch points, um, you know, finding out like on a deep level what their why is, like that's more community stuff. So yeah. yeah. Um, what I would say is that you want to have those clear processes where you're not relying on, on coaching or programming or community to be your selling point, but you have a clear system of how you want to onboard mm. people. You have a clear system of like how you like to structure um, the class flow and the staging and the programming. So it's more of an experience more than just um, well, we have good workouts. We have better workouts for someone. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's where, again, where I would encourage you to go to like, an orange theory, a metabolic, an urban movement, mm -hmm. because those people have more of that clarity around brand. And I, I would, I think you're going to get way more money back to your business if you paint your walls really well than if you get 10 rowers instead of five. Like that, I, I would yeah. spend more money on, on facility of like, what do I feel when I walk yeah. in versus yeah. what can we tangibly do from a programming perspective because we have all these fun toys that's really good really good good stuff there cool 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 i got one last question for you um why should i not open a gym <laughs> because you have there are great gym owners out there a lot of them that i know that mm -hmm. are going to give you the ability to do everything you want and more as a coach mm -hmm. without any of the risk of being mm -hmm. a gym owner. And there's, a, you know, 
there's examples of people on our staff that are doing that. There's, mm-hmm. I just had a podcast. Yeah, I know you, you messaged me about it. MBV last week yeah. is a good example. Uh, I know Harry Polly over at uh, CrossFit New England with Ben Bergeron. Mm-hmm. There's, there is nothing wrong. Um, and often there's a lot of things right with sort of being the second in command or third in command somewhere yeah. and not, ha- not having to be a gym owner. The gym owner yeah. thing is, uh, you know, one thing that I would encourage you to do, I'm actually in the midst of, of, of making some important decisions in my own life and mm-hmm. I'm having to weigh, okay, am I doing this because of external motivation of yeah. what others say is successful, what, you know, fame, mm-hmm. Instagram, like social media, following money, mm-hmm. or am I doing this from an intrinsic place of like, this is what gets me excited to get out of bed every morning. This is like yeah. what I really want to do. And I'm passionate about, and I just want to create this and, and see what's possible. Um, so yeah, I think you got to really, really weigh that decision because you could potentially accomplish everything you want with a lot less stress and headache. Yeah. Good answer. Great answer. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. 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 You're welcome. Well, thanks for coming on Frankie. It sounds like that's it for today. Yeah, it's good. And good stuff. Uh, A lot of good information there. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show and and being open to share this. Um, It's, it's been a really cool conversation. So I know we'll keep in touch here Mm -hmm. in the, uh, the future. And if anybody wants to follow your journey, where can they, uh, they find you on Uh, uh, social media? Uh, on Instagram, I'm underscore coach Frankie underscore. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. So yep. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on Frankie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man.